I haven't had a smile this big on my face all day. You're like one of the most entertaining people on Instagram. It's in the restoration (laughs) world. I'm so excited to have to like be in this conversation right now already. Look at this look smile that I have. We just getting started (laughs) over here. Thank you for tuning in to the Restoration Podcast with James, Evan, and Dave, where we restore yesterday's tools for the craftsmen of today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Restoration Podcast. Fellows, how is everyone doing? Doing well. Well. Very nice. Good. We are, we are honored today to have a special guest for a very- our, our yeah. second interview. If you remember way back, we interviewed... Zach, the Tradesman's Corner. Well, today we have PJ, son of the junk hunter. Now, he's got a lot to share with us. We are very happy that he is here to speak with us on the Restoration Podcast. PJ, welcome. How are you doing today? Prepare to lower your standards. (laughs) (laughs) Just, uh, Just heads up, prepare to laugh. This guy is probably the most entertaining, hilarious person in the entire like restoration maker community, he needs a bigger following. I cannot say enough good things about this guy. We're all going to be laughing our butts off the entire time. Not to put any pressure on you, but <laughs> welcome to the podcast where I crash and burn. <laughs> Get the hook. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't. Okay. So, you know, we're all Instagrammers and the thing is, I I watch the same stories of the same people almost every day. It's the same people because they're entertaining. There there's thousands of people in the maker community, but all of them, well not all of them. Let me let me back up. A good chunk of them have no idea how to be entertaining. That doesn't you don't have to be funny. You just have to be entertaining like look at April Wilkerson, she is the happiest person on the planet next yep. to like maybe Ann Briggs. Okay. The two of them are just super positive and, you know, every once in a while they're funny, but most of the time it's just super upbeat. And I love that kind of energy. And so that's what I try to put out, uh, regardless of what I'm talking about. Um, if, if I'm not in a good mood or I don't have something good to say, you won't see any stories that day. That's you know? it. That's it. Absolutely. That's the bottom line. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. So I guess we should start, uh, I get, maybe not the beginning, but a good starting point here. So PJ, you, your Instagram handle says, son of the junk hunter. How, how did that come about? How, how does that start for you? Oh, four score and uh, several years ago, uh, <laughs> my, my pappy, my okay, so when I was little, my dad used to take my brother and I junk hunting. That's exact. Those are his exact words. That's where the name come from. He said, come on, we're going junk hunting. And we'd go on Big Garbage Day. Uh, I grew up in um, Morristown, New Jersey, and there was a Big Garbage Day. There isn't where I live now, but uh, right. we would we would get in the car, get in the truck and drive around and look for stuff that people, people put out on the curb, you know, whatever it was. And, um, you know, I, I recall this from the time of being around seven or eight. It might have started earlier, but my memory's not very good. Um one of the things that I remember finding that was kind of like a big item that he kept for a long, long time was literally like a block and a half, like up and down a side street from where we lived was up on a hill. Somebody was throwing away. uh, 
do you guys know what the old uh, drafting tables look like that had the cast iron legs and the yeah. oh, yeah. that, that you know they tilted uh-huh. so these things were massive and heavy and it had to be like six feet across by five feet deep and then cast iron legs and it's you know it's got the pedal and everything it was just sitting there on the road so, you know like somebody just put it out for the trash guy and my dad took that he had a silk screening business doing t-shirts and um he had that drafting table he good lord he probably had it 25 30 years until he sold his business so you know that taught me um from a very early age that people throw out useless what's useless to them but it can be useful to other people and um i i can't remember exactly when i started like dumpster diving but you know that was like it's like second nature. Like, oh, there's stuff in there. People put stuff in there for me to take. It's free. <laughs> oh, I, I just have to climb in and, you know, not slip on like glass or anything that's going to cut me. No problem. I'm, I'm good yeah. to go. Yeah. So um, that was the 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 junk hunting aspect of it. But if you want to back up just a tiny bit. Before I was born, my dad had an electronics repair shop for TVs and radios back in the 70s, 60s, (laughs) 70s. And um, when my mom got pregnant with me, um, she's like, listen, you know, this kid's going to require money. So, you know, you you need to we need more (laughs) money, you know. So then my dad became a sheriff's officer and he closed down the shop. So all of the TVs and stereos and everything that were not repaired went into this two-story garage we had in the backyard. And so there was literally like a, a an entire garage full of junk. Like that's that's what I grew up with. It was there. And my dad, what he would do is over the years, he would put out like a TV and a stereo for garbage, you know, two at a time. So the garbage guys would take it because if you put the old garage out, they'd be like, nah, you got to pay for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So because he would put the stuff out, um, the way our house was situated on the side of the house, we had garbage cans and he just put like a TV and a stereo there. And it was, it was at that point, it was like free reign. You know, I could do like whatever I want. So I'd grab a screwdriver or hammer or whatever. And I just start taking stuff apart. And probably my favorite thing was when I was around nine, I took apart a television and I found a wad of $1 bills stuck inside. (laughs) Oh, wow. If you remember... Uh, those tube TVs, they had the handle built into the top yep. for carrying. So in that handle, it was just a scoop. I found like 25 $1 bills, right? Nice. And I was so excited. I, I grabbed it and I ran from the house up to the garage where my dad was working on a T-shirt design. And I'm like, I'm like, look, look, I got found money in that TV you threw out. And he goes, that's my money. I'm like, oh, no, you threw it out. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. What a what an exciting childhood having you know being in that environment I'm sure yeah that that in and of itself is a is a is a great story you know how how you got started like that and you know that's, that's really cool to hear starting out with the the TV business and just kind of tinkering around and I think that's kind of similar to how you know we got started um, you know back in the day when we were kids you know just tinkering around playing with stuff and eventually it led to bigger and bigger things and. Um, you know, I think that's kind of like a common theme for uh, restoration type fellows. And uh, yeah, it's really it's really interesting to hear. Thank you for sharing that. PJ, do you, um, are, you, are you as far as restoration for you? Is it is it a hobby for fun? Is it a side business venture? 
what is it what does it do for you in your life what does it give you does it give is it therapeutic for you do you enjoy it like obviously enjoy it but what what does it give you okay so um i was when i moved to pennsylvania i was uh full-time in the film industry film and television um mostly i did production work but it was very scaled back to like video editing for the most part because it was remote and i didn't have to be on location that's the male porn industry in pennsylvania i'm assuming um totally 100 percent. yes a lot a lot of redneck on redneck action (laughs) that's where america throws away its iron and porn stars yeah well you know it just it gets very tricky when it's a redneck and a bear because then you know there's safety regulations and osha steps in you know it's it's a nightmare yeah you know nobody likes the bear fluffer you know it's just a whole thing so you know, I, I wanted to kind of, uh, I, I was starting to sort of drift away from that. And um, the the tool thing, um, I've always been into tools. Um, I, I actually have the very first tool I ever bought uh, when I was a teenager. I still have. That's awesome. Um, and it was the very first thing I ever bought was a, it was a Stanley, I think it's called a shark tooth handsaw. I still have the cover and everything. It's got a shark on the on the front of it. Um, but I, I never, I've, I've never sold any of the tools that I started out with. I still have everything. Um, but as I started to get into the maker community, I've always bought tools as sort of a means to an end. I never really, uh, in the, well, never really in the beginning, I didn't have an appreciation for the history. Um, I just, I needed a tool to do a thing. I found a tool that did that thing. And then that was it, you know, right. like a lot of people, you know, you go to, you know, the orange store, the blue store, you know, wh- whoever, or, you know, the Fruge, Harbor Fruge, you know, wherever, wherever it's going to, you know, <laughs> whoever has the thing, you know, um, not knowing any better. So um, I, uh, I think it was uh, Chris Zepp was the one that put me on to auctions and um I got lucky. My very first auction was a live online auction. And my big score out of that was I got a 1978 14-inch Rockwell woodcutting bandsaw for, my memory's a little fuzzy, it was either $52 or $56. Wow, very nice. Yeah, super score, Um, which since, since then, which has been beaten, um, cause I basically got a free 1938 Delta bandsaw the other day, uh, <laughs> which we could dive into that later, but, we shall. um, <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be sold. Oh, no. be sold. Um, but, uh, when I did that auction, I, I picked up several other things just because they, they were cheap and then I sold them and I didn't really think anything about it. You know, I just was like, oh, well, that's helping to pay for the stuff that I just bought. But then the idea started churning and it started to kind of go into more of a business. Like I started thinking about it once I found um, Facebook Marketplace and, and all that stuff where it was easier to sell. Um, the tool business became much more attractive because I come from a professional troubleshooting background prior to the film industry. For 11 years, I troubleshot uh, electrical mechanical systems, printers and copiers and stuff like that. 
And um, I was the guy, like, I worked for several different companies, for Xerox and Minolta and a few other places. But whenever there was a problem, I was the unofficial specialist. They would send me in there because I wasn't super fast, but I was very, very thorough. When I fixed something, it stayed fixed. So, you know, a lot of these older tools, if you guys know, they're what I call simple machines. It's basically a motor and then some moving parts. There's no real difficulty. You know, and anybody that has a good mechanical mind can figure it out. So fixing those is relatively easy. Yeah. Um, but getting back to the restorations, um, I have restored several things, mostly vices. But what I do for the most part is what I like to call professional tune-ups. You know, I'm, I'm getting things ready to sell. So if something, if you know, if I plug it in, I pull the trigger and something sounds funny, um, obviously I know something's not right. So, or if it doesn't start at all, you know, I pull it apart. I've probably pulled apart, like, I don't know, about 400 electric hand drills by now. You know, I'm, I'm very familiar with all the varieties of all the smells and everything else that goes into them. And for the most part, they just need a cleaning. They need to grease. Um, you know, every once in a while, you'll find something that's really bad. But I'm basically just getting it shiny, clean and shiny, and it doesn't sound funny. And people like that kind of stuff. Because if you look on Facebook Marketplace, most of the stuff that's for sale looks like it came out of a cave. And nobody wants that. Yeah. <laughs> well, did. we do. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> yeah, sometimes. When the price is right, where we get yeah. to make it nice and shiny. Sure. You did sure. get a massive lot of what circular saws and i think hand drills and uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff not too long ago and i was like flabbergasted because you had on your instagram story you had pictures of like three or four pallets filled with stuff and i was like holy cow he, he's got a lot going on there so wh what ended up where you're probably still digging through that but what, what's happening with that uh, do you want me to tell the story where that came from yeah go ahead yeah absolutely so um, until recently, I've had insomnia. And um, one night I was up till four in the morning and uh, I was looking on Facebook Marketplace trying to tire myself out. And I saw this weird picture and it was uh, a little belt sander, um, a circular saw and then some aluminum scaffolding. And that was it. That was all that was in the picture. One picture. And it said tools, three hundred dollars. And I'm like that doesn't look right there's no way they're selling this stuff for three hundred dollars so then i scroll down i read the description and it says 100 tools half of them circular saws <laughs> and i'm like mm, that sounds like a good deal however at the time i only had 200 bucks that was all i could spare so i text the guy and i'm like hey uh, i've got 200 i'm interested can i come take some of it and he's like you gotta talk to my brother so then he gives me his brother's phone number i call him up tell him the same thing man i'm interested but i only got 200 he goes you got 200 i said yeah said, you come take it all I said, what yeah 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 i'll come take everything, <laughs> everything sure, sure. man don't hurt me <laughs> so this this was this was the third of july this was so he was he's like can you come soon i got a fourth of july party i'm like yeah no problem no problem yeah when, when you want to meet so two hours later uh i'm at this guy's storage unit and when i say this thing is packed he had 55 gallon drums full of tools. There was there was 12 um, 
Oh, geez, my, my mind just blanked. Uh, the machines that play records. Um, record players. No, no, no. The big ones. Jukeboxes. Jukeboxes. Yeah. Jukeboxes. He had, he had 12 jukeboxes in Jeez. here. He, he, this, this place was just packed with stuff. And when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, yeah, no problem. I get it on the truck on one trip. Nah. He had a second floor that I didn't see. And the oh second floor was like covered. So I couldn't tell how much was there. I had to make two truckloads and I had to do it two, a week, a week and a half apart because when I brought the first load, um, I, I didn't know where it was going. I had literally had no clue where this stuff was going to go. I, I had to like rearrange my entire everything in order to, to fit this. Stuff. That's why you saw this stuff on pallets was because I was trying to figure out exactly what I had and how it could be organized because it was just a, it was a, it was a nightmare. Um, Sounds like it. It, it ended up being um, he gave me stuff that was not just tools. Um, there was th that stuff I did not count. But as far as I got all power tools and I got three hundred and ninety seven power tools for two hundred dollars. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> yes. That is out of control. <laughs> were, they all doing? Same, were they all the same era of tools or did you find stuff across the gamut? I, I believe I have to see if I can't do more research on it, but I believe I have like a 1920s, 1930s era craftsman circular saw that is an eight inch that has the, the thing looks like a turtle. Like it is it is a massive beast. Um, it, it, it has uh, two. It's got two releases on the on the back of it to actually pull the whole thing up. Like there's, it doesn't leverage up for the height. The height adjustment is vertical. Wow. And it, it, that sounds so think awesome. Of, th think of like an art deco circular saw. That's what this thing looks like. That's awesome. And it's probably 75 pounds. It's not as heavy as you'd think, but it is hefty. It is definitely hefty. Um, it's, it's on the Instagram account if you guys want to look at it. I mean, it's, it's, it's very easy to spot. If you look at the palette, it's the biggest one. It's on the, it's on the corner. Do the lights um, dim when you start it up? <laughs> oh, dude, I, I can't I can't even plug it in. The cord on that thing is is cracked like the Mojave Desert. You know, it is it is just it, the one. It's, it's, like, it's a glow stick. You 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 bend it and it crunches. Right. <laughs> I, I'm I'm afraid that this thing is gonna bite me if I plug it in. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. So whenever it's that bad, I'm like, okay, we'll test that with a new cord. Um, <laughs> Always so, a good choice. I think that uh, if I remember correctly, I had something like 138 circular saws, 134 hand drills, uh, had somewhere around 56 jigsaws, four bench grinders, a McCullough chainsaw, um, about nine heavy duty angle grinders. When I say heavy duty, I mean seven to nine inch, all from like the 50s, like all metal construction. Too cool. Um, there was a lot, a lot of stuff. I mean, there's... There were several things that were junk, um, but oddly enough, the junk stuff sold quick because I sold it cheap. Like I've got, I had uh, circular saws from like Kmart and JC Penney and um, like Power Shop, you know, like just brands you'd never heard of. So I just put them up yeah. for like fifteen bucks. And when you do that, um, I get what I like to call my my discount shoppers. Um, mm -hmm. In my area. Uh, there are a lot of people from the Dominican Republic, and I have several guys 
that come and will buy like six to 10 things to ship back to the Dominican Republic because they don't have access to tools there, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, um, really where I live too. Yeah. Like a, so I yeah. love those guys. Yeah. They're, they're great. Um, but yeah, that, so that was where that haul came from. And I told everybody it came from Facebook marketplace and everybody kept asking me the same thing. Well, how did you find it? And the ad had been up for a week. I was not the first guy to find it, but the trick was the guy that I bought it from wanted everything gone. He didn't want someone to come and buy three things. He had 400 tools. Yeah. And um, that actually, uh, after I took everything, he was so happy. He's like, hey, listen, man, I, I really appreciate you helping me out. Um, now I can get to my warehouse on Third Street. And I said, you're what? He goes, are you interested in all in drill presses? And I said, drill pressy? You had drill pressy? And I said, listen, man, if, if you're looking to get rid of this stuff, like you were looking to get rid of everything that I just took off your hands. I am your guy. I will take everything that's in there. No idea where it's going. I will take everything that's there. So he said that that is going to get cleared out closer to the winter because a lot of that stuff is commingled with his partners. Mm. So that is, so I'm still waiting on that. Awesome. That is, so, that's like a fantastic gotta, story, gotta man. It's nice when you find those honey holes like that when you know where to keep going back. Mm. That'll be your guy. That's cool, man. Have you so you've been um have you, have you made have you made back your two hundred bucks already? I, I made back the two hundred bucks before I even had the second load. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that McCullough chainsaw I sold for 125 bucks as is. And um there was like two or three other things I had that people on Instagram were like, Hey, I want that. And I just, I'm like, all right, I'll ship it to you. And I just, I, I, they, I'm like, they're like, how much? I'm like, throw me a number. And, and they're like, you know, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, <laughs> half the time, if it's somebody that I know and they're not saying like a dollar, you know, I'll, I'll give it to you. You know I mean? It's like this stuff, I get this stuff for next to nothing. As long as it's a decent offer, I almost always accept it. But if somebody's trying to lowball me, then I'm nah. I need at least you know this much. And um, you know, if you, if you watch my channel long enough, you know that I pretty much tell everybody the price of everything. Everybody knows how much I pay for everything. And there's a few people like you know you you shouldn't do that. And I'm like, look, dude, <laughs> I don't care if I got it for free. That doesn't mean that you get it for free. Yeah, you right. know, huh. this, I thought it was sweat equity. Yeah, yeah, everything has value. Where are you going to put a warehouse full of drill presses? He'll figure um, it out. I'm, I'm building a shed in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna have to Speaking. do like uh, you're gonna have to do like James is doing. You're gonna have to build yourself a bigger shed with more yeah. storage for oh, your God. your collection. So <laughs> you know, speaking of sweat equity, that's that's why James is indebted to Dave and I for the next 512 years. Uh, we dug out that that universal woodworker for him all you guys do is find more of those for me you guys haven't called me in to like pick up the vice that's as big as a car yet well, well when i find it you still be you'll be on your way don't worry it's true no i will pj tell us a little bit about your youtube channel man oh geez i have a a love hate relationship with youtube um because love i am hate, a, hate to love it 
So years ago when I started the, the Junk Hunter channel, I was trying to be constructive and informative and like, you know, do like not necessarily how to, but, you know, basically how to videos. And what I found out is that no one cares if I do how to videos uh, about anything. They, they literally were just like, meh, I, I would be lucky if I got a single comment. And I stopped making videos. And what I started doing was I started letting my craziness come out on Instagram. And I started getting a lot of reactions from people. Everybody was really enjoying it because I was trying to be more polished in the early videos on YouTube. And so once I realized that, you know what, um, I just don't care. And this is what people seem to like. I shifted and I decided, you know what, we're not doing polished videos anymore. Whatever I feel like it, I'm going to do a YouTube video the same way I do Instagram stories. And so that has been a very recent shift. If, if you look in probably the last, I don't know, maybe five videos, not very many. I probably have like, I don't know, like 60, 70 videos up. I'm not even sure anymore. <clears throat> but the, the earlier videos were very, very, in my opinion, they were very stale. They were informative, but they just weren't really engaging. And the stuff I'm doing now is basically like how I'm talking to you guys. It's it's very much, it's, it's not how-to, it's what are you doing? You know, it's, yeah. it's very much like you want to see me do something crazy, like, you know, uh, ride my uh, my Rockwell jaw horse while I'm waiting for paint to dry or something like that. You know, that's that's exactly like what the channel has become. Exactly. See, you found your your niche. Like you know, Dave on his on his channel, he lets just enough OSHA violations through that it gets people pissed <laughs> off. So they do the they make the comments and they give them the views. That's and, it. <laughs> yeah. That is literally all I've got going on is not doing <laughs> and being dangerous. <laughs> yeah, so I I remember when I first watched your YouTube channel, the the character Memphis. Like, is there a uh, story with Memphis? So so PJ can explain, but there he has this wild alter ego called Memphis, who I absolutely adore, and I think if you've seen his videos, uh, you probably do too. But I, I'm just curious about the backstory on Memphis, if there is one or what it is. Um, I used to live in Memphis, Tennessee for 10 years. And um, I, I pretty much tell everybody I did my time and I, I got released. <laughs> um, <laughs> Memphis, Tennessee is a very racially divided place to live. And um, in addition to that, um, there is an overabundance of rednecks down there. And the there's it's very surprising to me personally because I was under the impression that there was only white rednecks. I was <laughs> I was sadly um, mistaken and surprised when I found out that there are black rednecks down there as well. Right. Um, so rednecks do not have a color. It does not matter. There is all variety of rednecks. Oh, it's an um, Well, yeah, it, it is. It's more of a lifestyle. Lifestyle. If yeah. I had, yeah. If I had to put a, a name to it. Yeah. Um, and there, I had a neighbor that was two houses down and everybody just used to call him Cigar because he always had a cigar in his mouth. He always had a stogie, whether it was lit or not. And literally like this is how he sounded. How you doing, Cigar? Oh, man, I'm doing real good. How you doing, man? 
And that's exactly how he sounded. And sometimes I could understand him, you know, but a lot of times I, I would have to, I'm like, see, I don't know. What, what did you just ask me, Cigar? I tell you, man, it is better on Absolutely. 100%. Yes. Thank you very that's much. So fun. Yeah, I'll, I'll get back to you on that. So, yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. So, um, what I ran into, uh, he was a super cool dude. He just was hard to understand. Um, yeah. But there was also a lot of ignorance down there. And um, we are all familiar with uh, Instagram and YouTube trolls. And Memphis is my in-house troll. And a lot of people don't realize that. Everybody really seems to like Memphis, but he's like a pain in my ass. You know, he, he really is. If you if you notice, like the last couple of weeks I've been doing stories, there has been no Memphis because he does not show up when I'm working hard. Whenever there's work to be done, he's nowhere to be found. He's he's only around when it's like it's like, hey, you know, we're having some fun, you know, maybe rearranging the shop or doing something or something breaks or you know, oh, then Memphis is right there. You know, he's he's ready to just jump in with his opinion of what I should be doing when he doesn't do a damn thing, you know. I love it. <laughs> um, but dude. yeah, if, if you if you look at his videos on Insta on uh, YouTube, uh, they are completely different from mine because his are utter nonsense. Um, his 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 pirate channel, which is also on my channel, is called These Ain't Tools. These Ain't Tools. That's right. It's been a little while, but I remember. <laughs> yeah. So he'll take a tool that you think you understand what it's for, and he'll re-explain it to you in his language. <laughs> so, and um, he had at one point when I think when I put up the first one, it got four views. And he, he was insistent at that point that he was world famous because he had four times the amount of views that I normally get on my videos. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that is the, the origin of Memphis. It's, uh, it's basically brain damage from my time in Tennessee. That's, oh my goodness. Fantastic. That's wow. Tough. Too good. I, pre I appreciate the explanation. Yeah. So oh. overall, a quick question here. When you get something, when you get a new tool, you get a machine, um, I, I've seen your vices, and you know they, they turn out fantastic. You have a very um, interesting and unique approach to how you paint your vices, and I, I've never seen hardly, I don't think I've ever seen anybody else do it in the style that you do. If you've ever seen one of PJ's vices, he, he has a, I, I don't know exactly what to call it. It's just, it's unique. It's, it's, it's like blues and golds and highlights in certain areas. And they just turn out very, very cool. And so I see how your vices turn out, but when you get any other tool that you, you know, plan on using or uh, you, like you said, you find it for a purpose and it does this and you need it to do this. Do you, you know, say it needs some work. Do you go, all out and you know completely redo it or do you just get it to the point where it does what you need it to do so i have a running list of larger tools that i would like to um redo uh restore back or i say restore I, i'm i'm be honest my stuff is not really restorations what i do is what i call the better than new treatment i i make things better than factory in my opinion and you know people could debate me on that but 
I don't, uh, I'm not interested in original condition. I'm interested in how it should have been, in my opinion, out of the factory to make this beautiful tool look more beautiful. Um, I like finding things that have shape because shape equals accents. If something is just a flat box, there's nothing I could do with that. But, you know, if I've got raised lettering or I've got like uh, pinstriping in the casting or any kind of um, anything that's engaging that catches your eye, that is immediately something. Oh, I got to accent that with gold because gold, you know, and it's I want to redo all, all I would say like half the things in my shop and make them that way. And it's on my list. But bigger things take longer time and they also take more space. And I don't have like power wagon room like Dave, you know. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I have to be very picky. Um, the vices are small and can be stowed away if need be. Um, so that's typically why the vices have been redone a lot. Um, I like to make them look like shop candy. That's that's a term that I like to throw around. Um, I have... I've got got a buddy of mine named Andrew. He'll probably never listen to this podcast, but he lives in Staten Island and he bought a house up here in Pennsylvania because he wants to live here eventually. But he's got like five houses in five different states. Anyway, I I redid this little um, craftsman four inch vice um, and I made it. uh, I can't remember if it was the Iron Man vice or not, but it was red and gold. It might have been red, gold and silver. And he comes to pick it up and he looks at it and he goes, oh, man, this thing is too beautiful. I can't use this vice on anything. I'm going to mess it up. I don't know what I'm going to do now. He says, can't can't you sell me like a crappy vice or something? No, I don't. I don't do that, man. You you want it. You want a crappy vice? Go buy it from somebody else. Ah, But this thing is too beautiful. I don't know. So it's in his bedroom now. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Like at Evan's house. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's funny. I, I love your. I love the ones that you make that are kind of like your. It seems to be like your sort of um, your branding with the blue, like the the brilliant blues and the striping. Like we we've we've seen. I saw that one video of your the restoration you did on the vice. That seems to be like your kind of trademark. Would you agree with that statement? It's sort of your color scheme almost. Blue and gold are my colors for sure. Um, the, I would do blue and silver, but my issue with the silver is it doesn't give enough contrast because I always have at least the vice jaws and the, uh, I don't know, what's what's the part of the vice that goes in and out? The throat? I don't know what that's called. The slide? The slide? Yeah. The, the slide, which I don't know why they painted it from the factory. That should never, ever be painted. Um, the slide and the jaws should be bare metal because those are the parts that are moving and that actually have action. Right, so right. I agree. Yeah. They should never, ever have paint. <laughs> yeah. So if those are silver, then you, you don't want silver paint because then it's going to be confused as like bare metal. So that's why I go with the gold because gold is richer and it's a good contrast to blue. Um, cause you know, junk hunter blue is my color. It is, it is very brilliant. I like it a lot. That's <laughs> so funny. I like to, I like it when I get advice and I'm sure you guys can relate that is that all the metal parts have been painted silver to make them look more metallic. Uh, I think right. that's, 
<laughs> we could have a whole discussion on the silly oh, thing. Cringe. Cringe. My, my eye. You see my eye is twitching. I, I can't. I was, I was going to say, that, that's the perfect segue. When, when PJ reached out that he has listened to all of our uh, catalog of podcasts, he said he would offer some controversy. And if Evan's eyes are already twitching, I'm curious <laughs> what, what in our catalog... P- PJ is uh, ambitious to school us in all the things we seem to have already agreed on. <laughs> yes. T- take us to school, PJ. What do you got? Oh, good Lord. I'm trying to remember exactly what that was in reference to, because it was it was something that you guys had in one of the, probably not the last podcast, maybe the podcast before, you said something, and that was what I was talking about. I had an opposite opinion, and I don't remember exactly what you know the what? conversation was. You know what it might have been. Um, what's your take? And we always, we try and ask everyone on this question. What is your take on, on preserving patina versus correcting it and trying to make something look new again? So, so I guess what I'm trying to say is if you have a tool that's got a lot of character that's been, you know, weathered and rusted and whatever, when you clean that thing up, are you trying to, um, are you trying to preserve that patina for future appreciation or are you trying to cover it up to make it look like it just rolled off the uh, assembly line? Okay, so I'm going to go sideways with this. Uh, I don't care about patina. What I care about is age. And what I mean by age is almost every single old tool that you find has been beaten or hit with an axe or there's some kind of damage that's superficial. Right. And I do not correct that. I don't grind that away. Whatever has, Unless it's like to the point where it's broken and it needs replacement. Sure. Um, I am very much a battle scar tool admirer. I want you to, if you, if I ever finished something, it'll be painted nicely, but whatever scars are on it are there because I want you to see this is not a new tool. This is like an 80 year old, 90 year old tool. That's, that's it's had a life, you know, it's, it's, I look at that as like, those are the tool wrinkles, you know, the tool's gotten older. It's got a little wrinkly and, um, Patina is nice if it doesn't um, if it doesn't affect the rest of the tool. Like if you have like let's say a badge and the badge has patina, that's cool. I'll just leave it like that. I'll leave it looking you know like old and, and stuff because it'll give it a little character. But as far as like the overall tool and um, it's got like a pattern to it, I might admire the pattern, but I'm not keeping it. Uh, because it doesn't doesn't um, that doesn't fit into the better than new lifestyle that this tool should be indoctrinated into. You know, will you restore something back to its factory colors, or does it become blue and gold because it's yours? So if you if you got something that had some remnant paints, like the clue, like you knew it was green or you knew it was black, does that steer you anyway? Um, I I. The main colors I do are blue, red, and green, and mostly because those are the most popular colors that I can get in the type of paint I like. Sure, the off-the-rack stuff, sure. Yeah, so, I mean, there's... If somebody requests that color, then, like, if I'm doing, like, a custom job, like, I'm actually, I'm restoring, not right this second, but this winter, I'll be restoring a Walker Turner drill press for Bernie Solo, um, for Works by Solo. He specifically requested gray paint for the Walker Turner because he looked through the color palette 
of those drill presses and that was the one that he liked so i'm like dude i'll, I'll do whatever color you want you know and um i i lined up all my walker turners the other day and i have four of them and all four of them are different colors not a single one is the same color they're all the similar right. tones but um i only do factory colors if somebody requests it um but mostly for me i find factory colors to be boring they're just they're they're they blend into the background and that's not what i want a tool's life to be i want when you walk into somebody's shop i want their eyes to go directly to one of the tools that i did and go man that looks awesome where did that come from i'm with that there's something Fantastic. about there yeah especially a lot of the old tools that had such cool lines that we all appreciate there's mm -hmm. something about bringing that bring out some more to it i I'm, i generally i tend to be a uh, a factory guy just because i'm can be kind of uninspired but there's something about seeing something that's kind of reached its um its utmost potential by getting some 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 real uh fire in it you know by, by getting it giving it a cool color scheme but um, i think you know you like did that with have... the engine dave I did, and I was just thinking about my engine. Yeah, the factory engines were silver. Every bit of them were silver. Mm -hmm. That red, uh, it's funny. Some random dude comes up to me or came walked by the shop yesterday. I was like, oh, man, like I, uh, down in South Philly. This old, old black man, real, real friendly guy. Tim, we met we met yesterday. Go, oh, man, that thing looks fast. I was like, yeah, it looks fast, and that is all it does is it looks fast. <laughs> it's that you're, you're uh, you know. Your, your, your mower goes faster than his engine does. But it looks fast, and that's what makes it cool. Like, you look in, you're like, wow. Mm -hmm. So there's something there, big time. Yeah. So like I, I was going to say, um, you know, we kind of got, uh, I guess, I, I don't know what the correct word is for it, but we kind of got dumbed down or dulled down a little bit by, you know, a lot of the stuff we work with is from, you know, the World War II or immediately following era um you know a lot, good bit of the stuff that we that we deal with and you know all of that was war finish which they just spit out everything in battleship gray and you know here it is um yep. so they it left a lot to be desired so you know when you see that there i mean there are some people that are you know i i want this to be battleship gray because that's the color it came with but then um you know pj and others they say you know you get this drill press, you get this bandsaw, and hey, I could paint it gray because that's what it was. But no, it could be really, really beautiful if I do X, Y, Z with it. And you know that that's that's a really cool spin on things. I, I think that's great. Well, I think there's one thing. I mean, it's like if you're going to be in the business of selling used tools to make them kind of humdrum, you know, like if you're trying to sell a house, you paint all the rooms beige. You know what I mean? Because you don't want someone to come in and say, "Well, I hate this color." Because it's, but somebody might walk into the room and say, I'm in love with this color. It's amazing. It's one thing to, when you're making tools for yourself, like on PJ, I think you, do you want to keep in that amazing blue vice that you did? Is that your personal vice? Oh, no, that you're talking about the Athol 624 that's in the YouTube video. Yeah. So that, um, I sold that uh, Father's Day this year to um, a woman who bought it for her husband. And oh, wow. I, I, I told her, I said, listen, there's a YouTube video for this. Here's here's the address and everything. Have your husband look at it. You could see it from beginning to end how, you know, what happened. 
with this vice from the time I got it until the time you're taking it. And um, they reached out to me after he got it and they watched the video and they're now following me on YouTube because they want to see more stuff. Um, you know, that was, I, ironically enough, uh, I, I now have another Athol 624 that I got out of that huge um, closed woodworking shop that I hit uh, a couple weeks ago. Right. So, so I do, I do have the vice, but not the set, not that one. Sure. Very nice. Very well, nice. I, well, I, what, I was, what I was saying was, you can get more appeal with with the the standard stuff. But if you're making things for yourself and you want them to be however you want them to be, it's kind of nice to be able to take God on that limb and make something kind of uh, a little fancier or, or whatever. Yeah, because I mean, when you're scrolling through Facebook Marketplace and you search Vice, you know, you get the whole gamut. You you're scrolling through, you get the ones that are you know the dirty straight out of the barn. You get the ones that are painted completely silver you get the ones that are painted completely black you got the ones that are painted completely red but when you're scrolling through you know pj has finished a vice restoration you don't even have to click on it because you know it's him when that blue and gold starts scrolling through <laughs> and you're like no nope, mm -hmm. pj's right there and anybody that paints an entire vice and when i say entire i mean handle and jaws included one yeah. color <laughs> needs to be Lead drug through. out into the street and lashing beaten with that vice okay <laughs> dude I bought, I bought i bought a um a uh, uh a wilton i think what it's the c4 it's the giant one right oh, yep yep okay c3 is the biggest one yeah c3 so i bought it from this guy on uh facebook marketplace local guy from south philly had no idea what it was he he called it a hydraulic vice I don't know what that means. I, I, I was excited to learn what the Wilton hydraulic vice was that I'd never heard of. But anyway, he had it. And it was in this great, had this great old industrial finish on it, and it looked cool. It was all chipped up. And when I got there, it was painted freaking soup to nuts, head to toe in orange spray paint, like thick as shit, big runs all over it. He's like, oh, I repainted it for you, pal. Made it look real nice. I was like, you son of a bitch. I love the way it looks. It looks terrible now. Like handle everything like uh, <laughs> uh no good jaws so, where did you bury the body dave yeah <laughs> he was a big scary guy he would have had me i didn't have a chance <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's fun there is Fence. a guy there is a guy uh local i keep seeing his posts he's got a bunch of tools but underneath that he's it's almost like an indoor flea market but it's his house right and he's on facebook marketplace uh, underneath one of the tables, he has a, he had, he's gotten rid of a couple of them, but he had like six or seven vices under this table of tools, all of them painted silver, like mm. top to top to bottom, every single one of them. And not only are they silver, but his prices are super high. Uh -huh. like, like, like they're made out of silver. Yeah. 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 And he knows what he has. Don't lowball him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to see the, like the paint bucket. They just, they just dip them right in. Pull them right back down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fastest way to get it done. I like it. That that makes me sad. I hate that. Yeah, it's criminal. PJ, do you have a very most memorable restoration that you've done in like from childhood till adulthood? Like that has the most meaning to you, or however it feels to you that is was the most special or memorable. So we, I do. We always ask, um, as James would would help. You tell the whole story from beginning to end. Oh, he's got it right here. Oh, yeah, so you man. guys at home. See, that's what I'm talking this. about. So that is fancy. That is a party. So this. for those of you who are just listening to the podcast, what we're looking at is a 
Uh, it is. I don't even know how to describe it. It's covered in. It's very decorative. Multiple this, colors. What what device is that? This is a Colombian number forty four. Okay. And um, it's like it it's on, like if he had a vice that got knighted by the queen and received its coat of arms. Yeah, nope. that, that's yes. on the on the uh, restoration podcast Instagram page, and you yeah. need to look at it because it is incredible. We need a so, picture. Of that. I, I will tell you the story. So um, there was a. A guy that put up an ad on Facebook Marketplace, and I, I met him at a grocery store parking lot, and um, he told me that this vice, this guy probably was in his 50s or 60s, and he said that this vice was his father's vice, and he bought it brand new, and um, the guy that I bought it from sounded to me like he'd never used it, like his, his, his father died, and it was his vice, but he just kept it because it was his dad's, and he wanted to pass it on. And so I, I bought it from him and I had full, fully intended to redo it and resell it. And um, the more I stared at it, uh, when you see the pictures of this, um, you'll notice that the hardy hole has what I like to call a castle turret. It's a conical turret that is where the hole goes in from the top. And it, it just looks like a castle. And I've never seen another vice like that i've never seen that style before and i i just kept staring at it and staring at it and it just started to do something in my mind and i couldn't figure out exactly what but i knew that i could not get rid of it so i have a um a tradition uh for new year's i don't drink and i don't like big crowds so i never go to parties on new year's so i started a tradition um i don't know maybe about 10 years ago now um, I start an abstract painting on New Year's Eve, and then I try to finish it New Year's Day. But sometimes it might be like the week after New Year's, you know, but it's basically I start it in one year and I finish it in the next year. And um, it's always abstract art. Uh, it's always been on canvas. But um, this year I had planned to do a an abstract tool art painting. And I started to lay it out. And it was very complicated and everything. And and I just was like, I wasn't feeling it. And I was just like, I don't know. And I kept stalling. And then I'm like, maybe I should just paint that vice. And so then I got the vice out. And the entire thing is abstract. It is a story vice. The vice is painted like a castle that has a blue and silver dragon laying on top of it. Um, it's if you look at the, the details, it is sitting in a valley. There's a green valley underneath it. There is a blue moat going around the bottom. And then you have pennants for the castle. You have the castle walls. It, it has you know the drawbridge on the front. It's got the fire breathing from the dragon. It's got the dragon's teeth. So there's all the elements of this dragon sitting on top of his castle guarding it from anybody. Um, and this was a total shot in the dark. I had no idea how people were going to react to me doing abstract art on a tool. And I, I want to say that's probably the most popular uh, post I've ever had. Everybody really, really loved it. Um, I had a lot of people ask me if it was for sale. Um, they wanted to know, like, is it less than $10,000? You know, <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, I'm like, it's not for sale. It's just for me. And um, that's definitely my favorite. 
as far as restorations go, if you could call that a restoration, I mean, I turned it into a piece of artwork, so it'll, it'll never ever be used again. It's, it stays in my bedroom. Um, I, you know, I get to, I get to see it every day when I get up, it's right there. I have like a little, uh, not a mantle, but like a little altar that it's on. Right. Um, and, uh, I have, there's two other vices in this room that I refinished and, um, they're, they're my personal collection that are, the other two are just blue and gold. They're not abstract art, but, um, I don't have anywhere that's safe for the, my personal collection. So they have to be in the bedroom until I have some place like set up where they could just be on display permanently. Right. That's um, super cool. But yeah, that's that's definitely my favorite one so far as far as so restorations. If 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 PJ ever did decide to sell it, it would be shipped with with a dosage of LSD so you can experience it with full effect. Could you, you hold see, that up on I, I you, can, you can see the dragon come off of the vice. Oh, God, this is, is not a light cool. vice. Right. <laughs> I'm glad you time-stamped your Look story. Look at it. I was able to find it. So it's on, it is so cool. It is there's really the, There's the trees. Yeah. You can see and the moat. And the moat on the bottom, yes. There's the turret. That, yeah. that is so... Why do, you think, why do you think they did that on that vice? I've never seen that particular vice before. It's really cool. I don't know. There's the fire. There's the teeth. There's the dragon's eyes. Very cool. Uh, that is awesome. You can see, there's the drawbridge underneath the handle. We will definitely be posting posting a picture of that on our restoration podcast it. Instagram. Evan, have you ever seen a vice with a turret? I have seen a similar one that had a smaller version of that, but nothing that substantial. I I, I haven't seen that before. That that is uh, very cool. And I, I think they just did it for for support because the ones that were smaller, it, it looks like, you know, you were meant to put the small little hardies, like little cutoff tools and other hardies in there. And, you know, it, it kind of looks like they could break if you hit it too hard. But that one actually has, um, you know, beef that goes all the way down to the base. So that I think that would be um, for actual use. That would be a lot more substantial than some of the other ones. Yeah. You know. I, I think it's it's safe to say that a lot of your rest, restorations are the ones you do really do have almost like an art quality to them. I mean, a lot of guys just kind of slap paint on it and make it look new again. But you, there's a lot of um, they're almost they're almost decorative. I mean, really, the the work that you do and uh, guys, if you're when you, when you do listen to the podcast, you need to check out PJ's Instagram, which is PJ Galati G A L A T I underscore son S O N underscore of underscore the underscore junk hunter you have to check out his page because it's incredible the work that he does is very unique and he's a really unique guy and that's obviously why we have him on the show today because he's just a cool dude who does great work and those are the people we're looking to talk to so absolutely unreal uh, thanks thanks man i appreciate the praise um sure. I, I, re I regret all those underscores but it was too late once uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's cool no i mean you get there you get there just so to to sum it all up and, you know, bring it all together here, PJ, do you have any uh, final words or thoughts that you'd like to share with the listeners ab about, you know, anything? Um, I'll share something that I just learned today, uh, which is definitely, um, I don't, I can't remember if you guys talked about it or not. Um, I had a guy in the Facebook Vice Collectors group that recommended using Simple Green to remove rust and paint. 
And I I heard it maybe once or twice. And then I had a conversation with him. And he's like, yeah, you got to leave it in there for like four days, but it'll, it'll take it off. So I put a bunch of stuff in there from like a fully painted vice to a fully rusted pipe vice. And I left it in there for four days. And it it takes off like 98% of the paint, but you still have to use like a wire brush to kind of scrub it off. Sure. Yeah. And then with the rust, the rust is on there, but it's loose. So if you take a wire brush, it just, it just like brushes like off, right? Like, like you're brushing your teeth basically. Yeah. Um, and huh. it takes a little bit more work, but it does remove like 98%. As long as you can get to all the surfaces and brush the rust off, it does a, a, a close job, but not as good as Evaporust. Evaporust is definitely much more um, thorough and easier, and everything just wipes right off. Um, but, you know, it's much less expensive. You know, I got five gallons of Simple Green for, I think, $36. Yeah. You know, that's, that's like half or even a third the price of, you know, five gallons of Evaporust. Well, there goes that sponsorship we were working on. <laughs> now, I've had the same experience with Simple Green, and um, you know it does work. It does take a little bit longer, but Evapo Rust, you know, I, I do agree. It, it is pretty simple. You just dunk it in there and you wash it off. Um, simple Green requires a little more finesse. You know, you got to wipe it and scrub it and and leave it in there for adequate time. But it does work, uh, just like you say. I've had a similar experience. I prefer the Evapo Rust, but what what to me this tells me is. This is uh, simplifying a step. If I've got anything with paint on it, I'm just now going to dunk it in a, in the simple green because that'll remove the paint. I don't need paint stripper. Right. So Absolutely. that's the way that I'm looking at it. And then whatever, you know, I'll give it a scrubbing and then I'll put it in the evaporust to get the rest of the rust off. That's that's how I'm looking at it. It's more of it's like a pre-step than it actually is a replacement. I don't think it's a replacement at all. Um, I, I, if, if I could, and I had, you know, unlimited funds, I would just have evaporized all day long. Um, sure. but that is not in the junk hunter budget, you know? <laughs> yeah. Good. I, I feel like simple green is great for stuff that like, it's sort of on the back burner. Like I, I had some hooks that are going to go on the bumper of my truck that had like 10 coats of paint on them. And I mm. literally just left them in simple green for like, like a month and a half and it just sloughed it all off. But mm. I, if I took it out like a day after I put it in, and it, like it didn't do anything, so it's just one of those things. If you've got time, it's fun. Absolutely, thank you, thank you, PJ. We appreciate that that tip, gentlemen. Anything else we would like to discuss for this episode? Just yeah, I want uh, to thank PJ <laughs> for taking his Sunday evening with us. To yeah, uh, we really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely, it absolutely, an absolute pleasure, dude. Absolutely. Yep. And if you don't follow PJ on Instagram, you need to go to his, his page right now. His stories are hilarious. His YouTube channel is excellent. Check him out. Follow him. We all do. We love him. That's why he's here. You need to follow him, too. Yep. PJ Galati, son of the junk hunter. Son of the junker. Uh, Make sure to check him out. Make sure to go check uh, the Restoration Podcast out on the Restoration Podcast, as well as you can email us at therestorationpodcast at gmail.com. We really appreciate you uh, coming on today, PJ. Thank you very much. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it, and we uh, know our listeners will enjoy hearing from you as well. 
Uh, thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Uh, I, like I said, I've been listening uh, since you guys started, and I've, 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 I like the evolution. You guys have just definitely been a progression, and you guys got your rhythm down. And I, I like, I like hearing you. You know, I wish there was more. I don't know. There was, uh, was more episodes. We're getting there. We're in season two now, so we're we're trying to progress. That's right. Coronavirus put a little bit of a damper on things because you know. We're all dying and things, so yeah. we're back. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pete, Day, you weren't a downer. You definitely brought us the next tier higher. So for that, we thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, peoples. We'll see you on the next one. All right, Evan, you send us out? Yes, sir. This has been the Restoration Podcast with James, Evan, and Dave, who restore yesterday's tools for the craftsmen of today. All right, everybody, have a good night. Microphones up. I, I probably have a few nuggets in there. Oh my gosh, there's a ton of good stuff. We're, we're on a good you want to you want to record now? Yeah, yeah. Do a post show? Yeah, I'd started. Well, okay. I, I I do need to I do need to get going. My my wife is dealing with a crying child right now, so imagine, I need to go help her. Imagine having children. What else? What yeah. You you have you have one question to answer first. What is that? You know what the question is. I don't even have to say it. Come on, man. Uh, I'm not sure what the question is. The oh Walker God. Turner Industrial Drill Press. Oh, right, right. I yeah. I want it so bad, but that's. I, oh, is it I the just, one that we talked? To, did we talk about that one? Uh, I don't think we did. I, I saw it on on PJ's story. It was. It's the bigger oh. Walker Turner, like the the one the one that you and I have, Dave. It's a bigger yeah. model that has the uh, power down feed. Ooh, I know. And it it's it's really nice, and I. I want it so bad, but I, I just can't, I can't right now. I got so much stuff in the garage. I got, I do. I want it, but can, I'll can have to I get, get back it to you so that I can uh, tempt Evan even more with it, and then it's yes. five or six hours away from him. <laughs> yeah, Pennsylvania. We'll we'll put you up, buddy. You're good. You I do need to drill press. Hey, man, it's it's three phase, but the thing is a beast. And um, it it does need some you know needs some tender love and care, but it is this thing has got to be like nine hundred pounds. You know, I mean it's 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 a it beast. is a tank. That's it a is a tank. Like, um, I, it. The the guy uh, this is from the closed down woodworking shop, and uh, Tom is the guy that owns it, and he he wanted four hundred, and Evan was like, nah, I do it for three. And I'm like, I, I, he's not gonna go down to three, man. And I got him to come down fifty bucks to three fifty. I know. Evan's he, like, he did a good a good bargaining. He's like, nah, I still gotta think about it. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I I'm cheap. That's that's my curse. I'm cheap. Well, we're oh. all cheap, man. That's not the issue. The issue is this. I don't know. Like this, he he might sell it out from under you. Is what I'm saying. You know, he's he's been going hard. I've got. Uh, they have. There's two 30 inch Oliver bandsaws there. Oh, beautiful. I got one of them sold. Nice. So, nice. Um, do you guys know um, Johnny Law's woodworking shop? Sounds yep. familiar. John who? Johnny Law. 
No. He's he's out of uh, Arizona. Okay. Real super super cool dude. Um, he does a lot of hand plane restorations. Um, but he just started working in a woodworking shop, and um, he's going to be coming up here to visit me. Uh, he's actually going to be picking up, um, you know, that uh, Bridgeport that Chris Zepp is selling. Oh, oh yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be picking that up. Very nice. So he's getting that. He's going to get the Oliver. He's like, it's he's making a big trip, but um, oh, he, he's got some cool. business down in uh, Virginia. He's got a house that he's trying to sell. It's a family family house and stuff like that. But, oh, okay. But anyway, yeah, I mean, James, if you want it, I mean, just say the word. I'll tell him. You know, you just gotta you gotta put your stamp on it. No, yeah. I don't want it just to, to eat away at everything. No, I I'll, <laughs> I I I'll think about it because I I'm kind of I'm a stickler for like if I if I don't get it for the price I want it for then i don't get it kind of thing but yeah. it is real nice so um I, i'll i will let you know i'll think about it all but right man it's been a pleasure thank you gentlemen i gotta go help all the right, wife bro. out Take care of i'll see you later man take yourself in see ya bye Good night. <laughs> that's funny all right i always get nervous about three-phase stuff i mean i know it's it's easy to to get it down with like a phase converter or whatever but it's not just to be in a money pit because you got to go buy more stuff for it. And it's not easy. You're either spending five hundred dollars on a phase converter, or you're spending five hundred dollars taking a motor and creating a generator, and then getting your three phase that way. It's it's a pain yeah. in the butt. Well, like you can get a Tico box, you get one of those like variable free. I got a variable frequency drive that was powering my Bridgeport, but like depending upon the size of your motor, those go from like a hundred bucks to like a thousand bucks, just how big, depending upon how much power you got to run. So on the smallest motor in your garage is seven and a half horsepower. The phase converters are all seven hundred bucks. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, frustrating. No way to turn the the uh, the three phase motor on besides cheating and running two hot phases and then doing a rip cord. Oh, just do it. Fuck it. <laughs> so what we need is a source of used phase converters. Ooh. Um, that is. That is the question of the hour, where to find those, because I feel like those are, you know, once the, the company winds up selling the one machine they have, they keep their phase converter and use it for the next machine they get. But yeah. there has to be a supply of them somewhere. 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 Exists. So, right. <laughs> well, the see, daughter of the phase converter restorer. Right. <laughs> daughter of the phase converter. I don't know. No, that's funny. But see, once yeah. you once you have see, I've never looked for any because I don't have room for anything three phase. I don't have room for anything big. I have I have next to no room as it is. Um, it's running your garage. Yeah, it's running out of right. my garage, and my yeah. garage is fourteen by nineteen. Okay. Super small. Yes. So um, even that uh, the the metal cutting delta, the wood metal. With the transmission yeah. that I got, right? That that does not have a home. Like I, I built a, a little dolly for it, a narrow profile dolly, just so that I could wheel it around the shop and yeah. hide it. But it doesn't have a place to live because there's no wall space left. Like, I bet you can't wait to have that shed done. That's going to be awesome for you. Is is that going to be a workshop shed or is that going to be like a tea room? Like what is that? That's going to be mostly wood storage and possibly big tool storage for big tools I buy that I need to sell. Okay. Um, I'm actually contemplating doing like a pirate ramp 
so that I can like, you know, get stuff in there, but then like remove it when it's not in use. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's mainly storage. Uh, it's to get all, I have a ton of wood in the dungeon that I need to get out of there and yeah. just, you know, being in the shed would be fine. It just, nothing's going to happen to it. Um, I need to reclaim a lot of space in, in the dungeon so that I can reorganize and just, just have more control over, you know, like like let's say this guy let's say like next week the guy with the drill presses is like okay man come get like i've got you know i've got 80 drill presses in this warehouse come get them I'm like <laughs> what the hell am i gonna do that you know, where am i gonna yeah. stick 80 drill presses you know i yeah. don't know that's always a struggle i i can really i i could i could relate a garage yeah. <laughs> yeah you come down just up off on me i'll help you sell yeah, hey, pretty much. That was the struggle big time when I was in um when I was in my basement shop. That was terrible. It was like I found it. I kick myself every day right now. So right now I'm trying to find a, a metal a sheet metal shear and a sheet metal brake for making, starting to make some parts for this truck. I saw a deal like a year and a half ago. The guy was selling a sheet metal shear and a sheet metal brake out of his like garage. They were both four foot bed on each, which is exactly what I'm looking for. 200 bucks for both units and they were both pexto nice he just needed them gone and i had no room and it was just like i'm not gonna i i have nowhere to put them it was the deal of a lifetime but i had nowhere to put them so yeah i, I get that so on ornament lawn ornament and then you can restore them after you ruin yeah, yeah after i <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah what a mess. at least at least that like you have you know a little bit of an excuse but i i had this guy Tom that's got the closed woodworking shop. I I messed up big time. He had one of those eight inch bullet vices, uh -huh. you know the ones that are worth like twelve hundred bucks. And everything oh, right, right. that I, I I'd asked him price wise, he was high. He was high on all these prices. So when I when I saw it, I told him I liked it, but I didn't ask him for a price because he kept pricing everything too high. And it was my first trip, and I didn't bring. I brought two hundred bucks with me. You know, I didn't yeah. I didn't know it was going to be there. I, I'd really just come for the bandsaw. Right. And so the next day I called him up and I'm like, how much do you want for that bullet vice? And he goes, I sold it already. I'm like, when, when did you sell it? I sold it last night. Like, Man, yeah, the anvil's gone, too. I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. Yeah. So as I said, so he had like a like 100, 125 pound anvil. And uh -huh. um, I said, how much did the anvil go for? Uh, 400. Like, all right, well, 400 is a decent price. How much did the device go for? Nah, 150. Oh. <laughs> that is so, that kills you, doesn't it? I said, Tom, I, I would have bought it for 150. Well, you didn't tell me you liked it. I said, I said, I needed more money. I'm calling you today, man. So when I, I went back a second time, I asked him prices on everything. Tom, how much is that? What about that right there? How about I, every single thing I saw? I, yeah, I, I was like, "Give me the price! Give me the yeah. price!" Oh yeah, yeah. So that's you know. so frustrating, man. That's so frustrating. Now, the, you you don't do this full time, do you? This this is not I, your full time. I am doing it full time. Yeah, that was. I started to say oh. it in the in the, but I got sidetracked when we were recording. So yeah. I I rarely do film editing anymore. Um, yeah. I, I do have like one client left that I'm still working with. And every once in a while, somebody will pop up. Yeah. Um, but really, I'm kind of burned out on it because there's a lot of bullshit involved. I can hear um, that. There's a lot of 
the main problem with the film industry is everybody's got a vision of what they want and your vision and their vision are almost never the same vision. Sure. So when you do something for them, whether it's editing or filming or whatever, um, they're going to see this thing. Then they're going to go, okay, that's not what I wanted. I want you to do this. Then you do that. And they're like, oh, that's not what I wanted. Uh, change it this way. So basically you got about five renditions before you can get it to where they want it or where they'll accept it, uh -huh. which is very, very frustrating because I don't like repeating myself. Yeah. You know, I'll do one revision, but after that, you know, it's going to cost the money and nobody wants to pay. Yeah. You know, so then it becomes an issue. So I, I really don't want to deal with that. The one client I have left, he is an art benefactor. And we do these little like mini documentaries on living artists. And um, he, he just purchased like a catalog of 35,000 photographs from this photographer that uh, he, he's he's got like he's like super thrilled. Like uh, they're right now they should be doing like a, a tour like all of these. He's got like 12 photographs that should be going to all the museums but because of covid. They're not. Yeah. Um, but anyway. This guy is probably the best producer I've ever worked with, and he's a full-time um, OR nurse in New York City. Mm -hmm. So um, he's like he's the guy that he gets all of the tools ready for the doctors. He has everything stocked. He knows he knows what the doctor needs before the doctor asks for it. So he does the same thing with film. Like he pre-disasters everything before it gets to me. So when I am talking to him, he already has everything figured out, and he knows what he wants. And the two of us have a very, very good relationship. I've worked with him for like 10 years. Um, cool. So so with him, I don't I'll come I'll go do like whatever. Like he's talking about like going to Guyana to film some stuff in Guyana. I'm like, yeah, dude, let's go. Because I know that he's going to have everything taken care of. And he he pays me well, too. He's not like trying to nickel and dime me like I I did like a, a little rough edit on something that we're still working on. And he's like, he's like, we're not done, but I want to give you some money. How much do I owe you? And I'm like, I don't know, 300 bucks, man. He goes, I gotta send you 500. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. That's sure. a good kind of work. Yeah. Yeah. So, so him, is, him, yeah. Now, do you do enough? Now, are this is, um, are you able to, to live comfortably doing doing the tool sales? Works okay for you, or like are you? <sighs> there's you could always use more money, you know. Well, there's, of course. There's always more, but what I'm hoping is. Once I get the shed done and I have more storage, I'm going to be able to pick up bigger tools that will sell for more money. Yeah. So I'm hoping that there will be sort of a quantum leap um, with the storage. It'll be a quantum leap in sales price, you know. Yeah. Um, and then with that, with more capital, that also gives me more buying power when I go to an auction or I go to like a closeout and I buy a bunch of stuff. I have the ability to buy more than I normally would. I would say like when I go to an auction or a place that has a lot of tools, my average price is like a hundred bucks. I yeah. pay like a hundred bucks for like a truck full of tools. Um, I, I went uh, a couple weeks ago. I lucked into this closeout. It was a antique slash junk store and everything was a dollar. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Everything was a dollar. Yeah. And um, this is this is a good story. So um, I, I actually didn't pay a dollar. What I, I had, I was prepared. I had a hand cart and I had a milk crate strapped to it. I went in, 
because I figured there was going to be other people there. I grabbed a bunch of tools, put them in there, went up to the front, paid for it, took it to the truck, dumped it, came back in, grabbed a bunch more tools. So by the third trip up to the front, these two guys know that I'm there for all the tools. And so they started being like, they, they stopped counting how many tools. They're like, ah, oh, that looks like 20 bucks. Yeah, just give us 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure. Here you go. 20 bucks, yeah. you know. <laughs> so I didn't I didn't know how much I paid until I actually got home. But um, the, the big thing that was there was there was this corner section of the building that was sort of like a workshop. There was tools all over, but this had a concentration of tools. And attached to this broken down workbench, there was a massy quick release undermount quarter turn woodworking vice. You know Ooh. what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. Cool. Look it so, up. Google it. It's it's on it's on my Instagram. I took pictures of it. Okay. So I'm there. I I have uh I had gotten one. I got two from somebody else. And I sold one to somebody else, but then another guy on Instagram said, I want one of those. And I'm like, dude, these are super rare. I've only ever seen four. And I was only able to get two of them, right? So I see this at this place, this dollar closeout, and I'm like, holy shit. I told the guy it'd be 150 bucks. He goes, I don't care. I'll pay 150 bucks. <laughs> so it takes me like 15 minutes to get this thing off the table, okay? Um, <laughs> who, whoever had mounted it did not mount the top jaw flush with the surface of the table, and this casting was a hollow casting on the back. So when I got all of the nuts released, I'm trying to push down on it and it won't push down. And it's because inside the casting, there was a pecan and an aluminum capacitor that had rolled in place. And so I'm pushing down and it's basically locked to the table because huh. of this nut and the capacitor. So I'm like, Come on. I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, ah, shit, that, that's what it is. So I bust out the nut. I bust out the capacitor. And then I have to like basically like break the entire table to get this thing off. And it's like 47 pounds. This thing is, is, is heavy. Yeah. So I, I like, you know, I bow legged carry the thing up to the front, put it in this pile of tools that I've been building because I stopped taking stuff to the truck. I just started making a pile next to these guys. And they're like, yeah, that's okay. Just make a pile. <laughs> so I put it down on the ground and the big guy looks at me and he goes, yeah, it's not for sale. What are, you, what are you talking about? It's not for sale. Everything's a dollar. Nah, that was mounted to the workbench. We're not selling stuff on the workbench. I'm like, dude, I didn't know that. I just spent 15 minutes getting this thing off of there. And he goes, oh, I, I, I can't sell it to you for a dollar. It's got to be a, it's got to be at least five. <laughs> <laughs> so, deal oh, of a lifetime. Totally straight face. Totally straight face. I look at him and go, I could do five. Not a problem. I could do five, right? 50. 60 <laughs> seconds later, okay? 60 seconds later, he goes, nah, you can have it for a dollar. It's okay. <laughs> so, oh, my God. I love it. I want to go to this place. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was, it was, this place was a nightmare. Let me tell you, they were clearing it out because they wanted to put, uh, it was, it was, they had bought this antique store, but they owned other antique stores. So they were clearing out all this stuff to put in good junk is what the guy told me. Um, cheek junk. Cheek junk, yeah. So I, I, get, I get all this stuff home 
and I count up all the individual things that I bought. And I had I had paid $72, but I had 115 items. Oh so everything cost me 62 cents an item. That's incredible. Yeah, That's incredible. it's like, yeah, it's, I just lucked right into that. It was and, and it was just one of those things where I just happened to catch it. It was like Friday night. I saw it. And then it was Saturday morning. They were running it for like four days. Was this on like Facebook Marketplace or, or yeah. Craigslist? Yep. Facebook Marketplace. I don't look on Craigslist for hardly anything. It seems like it's just all scams and scumbags on there. It really has become a cesspool. I feel like it's almost useless. Too, ex- too expensive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's got eBay prices. And I yeah, the whole scam thing is huge now, I feel like. Anytime yeah. I've listed on Craigslist, I always get like 15 emails and they're all scams. Yeah. It's- not even worth my time or like you, you never people don't people don't use it anymore because it's not as convenient as facebook marketplace yeah i, I think I, I listed something last year and i i got i think i got one real response and i got like five scams yeah that that was that was and i'm like Mm-mm, i'm not doing this anymore it's just yeah. a waste of time it's a waste of time total trash Oof, boy. dave are you What's still the- are you still looking for stuff since you're doing the power wagon? Are you still looking for deals? I'm always looking, man. It's a problem. It's an addiction, I, I honestly. But um, I've tried to scale back. I'm not actually buying anything, really, because my budget is so stretched with with truck parts. And and I just don't uh, – even if I did get something cool or I found something cool, there's re- really no time to screw around with it. Um, I'm literally doing – um probably 25 hours a week in the shop in between my regular work schedule and my time with my kids um so yeah there's no like i needed an anvil so i started searching hard for anvils and i I found one quick and like i'm still searching a lot maybe you know probably that maybe half an hour every day for um sheet metal tools just to try and tool up for this next phase where i'm going to be doing a lot of body work um but yeah, it's it's bad because I'll, I'll find just like you said, you know, four o'clock in the morning, I'm staring at a screen instead of sleeping, like looking for random, you know, fucking dreck, just looking for stuff. But I, I, I it's it's um it's easy to get sucked into that rabbit hole. I feel like when you're trying to find that great deal or you get a great deal and you're like, OK, they're out there. I need to keep looking for stuff. And like you got to pinch yourself and be like, fuck, I need this for I'm busy. Like I, I got other stuff going on. I'm, I'm, I've like the only thing that I am like diehard looking for, which they're super hard to find. I'm looking for Thor tools. Thor tools. I don't think Thor. I've ever heard of tools. It's, it's made by um, the Pneumatic Machine Co., I think is the parent company, but it's branded as Thor. I have a Thor bench grinder, which is my favorite tool in the shop. Uh-huh. Um, I have I picked up a Thor electric drill, which has a really interesting sound to it. Every every electric drill has its own sound. That's that's the one thing I've noticed. What is the age or, or time period these tools are made, or are they modern? Uh, I believe they are 1940s to 50s. I believe. Um, There's a Thor Silverline heavy duty quarter power drill that was in Saratoga last week. It's still up there. I, every once in a while, I see them in New York. Um, I've seen them once. Uh, I saw one in Ohio. Um, there is, I have the, 
six inch bench grinder. Yes. There was also a seven inch and an eight inch, which I would love to get. Um, yeah. There's um, I I out of that out of that huge um, storage locker that I got for two hundred bucks. Um, yeah. I got a Thor angle grinder. And it has got to be the coolest angle grinder I've ever seen. It looks like a cross between a submarine and an aircraft fuselage. Uh, yeah, it's sort of like art, sort of Art Deco kind of, or it just looks got a cool industrial look to it. Is that what you're saying? It, it it's sort of Art Deco. It's like an Art Deco industrial. It's like very hard to describe, um, but it's got like a. I, I don't know. It's like. The body is, is like a fuselage, but then instead of vents, there's just holes, like circular holes going on. So it looks like portholes going all the way around. Um, but this thing is like super in need of restoration. Like I tested it out and it turned on, but then I accidentally touched the drill or the uh, circular saw. Not circular saw. My brain is going. Uh, <laughs> table saw. Table saw. So I had it plugged in. I, I turned it on. And then I accidentally touched the table saw and had a wire wheel on it and it sparked. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, we don't need to have this plugged in anymore. Put that down. All set. Dude, they've got some cool looking stuff. I'm looking, I'm, I'm on uh, I'm on Google. Very interesting. Um, a lot of like stripes and lines, like like the stuff that you talked about that you like, you know, it just sort of has, yeah. they've, got, they've got some raised elements that like would look cool painted. Just yeah. sort of, like, I can the see cool, why you like these. They're cool. The way the way that they look is almost like a bonus. They're super solid tools. Like they're the 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 bench grinder when it. That's so cool. It's like a pistol. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not the drill <laughs> I have. I have one that's probably a little bit newer, but that yeah, is yeah. that is that that holes the holes. That's what I was talking about. It's like just round holes, yeah. but yeah. the. The bench grinder, when you turn it on, it spools up like it goes, and then it gets real quiet. And I'm like, holy uh -huh. shit, this is like super cool. Like usually it gets louder as it goes. This gets quieter. I'm like, I need more of these. Sounds you like know? my Paul's production, uh, like old, like this is from the you said it's like from the 30s, 40s, something like that. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like my my repulsion. I've got this repulsion induction motor. It's like really old school like that, probably probably fifties. But it's yeah, it's got that spool. It's really noisy when it starts, and then as soon as it gets to that certain speed, the weights it like separates and it spins super quiet. Is that They're the awesome. one that you had you had rewound or they wouldn't rewind it? Yeah, they they wouldn't work on it. I wound up having to do everything. And yeah, it's they're cool, man. That's fun. Stuff that they don't make anymore, you know? Sure. Yeah, yep. And nobody knows how to fix, so you got to do it. Like, you got to figure it out. I feel like that's the best part for me with some of this stuff is just, like, you're talking about screwing around with stuff as a kid. Like, just tinkering with stuff, figuring out how it works, figuring out what's broken and how to fix it. And, like, stuff being simple enough that you can actually kind of mm -hmm. kind of figure it out on your own as just a layperson and make it yeah. work. You know? Are you worried about getting bigger machines and needing to either invest in bigger replacement parts or actually machining stuff to get them off the ground. Because little stuff usually is a polish and a clean and a separate and grease. But some big stuff really takes some abuse that either has to be replaced or be machined or, you know? 
I I have been lusting after a mill and a lathe for metalwork since I knew what they were. And I, I don't have space. I literally have no place to put anything. Yeah. But I I I dude, I machined on my DP two twenty 1948 Delta drill press. I machined a new base for a Wilton Vice. It's awesome. It's not pretty, but I did it. Okay, <laughs> I had I dude. I chucked up an end mill, and I were it, it's it was super janky, but it worked. Yeah. Okay. Be patient. I, yeah, I went super slow. I made a jig. Had to make a radius. You know, I. I actually, I was supposed to go Saturday. This guy would not give me any prices, but he had a machine shop that he was getting rid of all his extra stuff. And he said that he had several rotary tables. And I'm like, dude, give me a price on one of them. And he goes, they're all going to be super cheap. Just come and take a look. I'm not giving prices out. You got to come. And I'm like, he's like an hour away. He's in Scranton. And I was going to go. And then my vice dealer called. And uh, <laughs> I ended up spending $175 on vices. What are you gonna do? That's it happens. Get your so, fix. You know, yeah. I, I'm like, well, you know, what? That okay. I just I won't get a rotary table. You know. Well, you can't interrupt the flow. If, if vices are paying the bills, then you gotta keep the lights on. This this guy is he's he's literally across the mountain. He's like 20 minutes away from me. His name is Mike, and he goes and rounds up vices. And then he calls me and he's like, come take a look. And he'll usually have like one or two like Chinese crap vices that he thinks are worth something. But then the rest of the stuff is all old school American. And his prices are usually very reasonable. Um, he sold me a four inch post vice, blacksmith vice that was missing the spring and the back plate for 75 bucks. And then um, I got two four-inch vices, uh, one's a Colombian, one's a Wilton, 25 bucks each. Then there was a three-and-a-half-inch, I can't remember what it was, for 20, um, another one for 20, and then one for 10. Good so, margin there, man. Yeah, I mean, those are my prices. You know, he, he you know, he's tried to sell me stuff that's more expensive, but I'm like, you know, so he yeah. knows, like, you know, I have a range that I go in. Um, he had... Uh, you know that that Wilton vice that tilts that it's the square body that's on a hinge so you could tilt yeah. it sideways. He's yeah. got one of those and he's he's got it up on eBay. It's like I got it on eBay for one twenty five, but I sell it to you for fifty. And I'm like, man, I don't I don't have fifty. You took all my money. And he goes, well, how much do you have? <clears throat> and I, I pull out my money. I'm like, I got twenty bucks left. He goes, I could do forty. And I'm like, nah, I don't have yeah. So, you well, know. That's, I feel like that, that stuff's all cool if you're like if you're like a collector or you're an aficionado of this old stuff. But like if you're selling tools, like nobody wants a a, a hundred and twenty pound vice like for their basement janky work table. You know what I mean? Like right. that's not selling. I I don't know. Like I unless you yeah like if, unless you're trying to sell to other collectors, you know that's not really what. Yeah, co- collectors will pay that. You're absolutely right. But normal person. Um, it, it took me that that eighth all. I had that listed for not quite a year, but like yeah. almost almost a year. And um, I didn't. I had it listed for three fifty, and I ended up selling it for three hundred. So yeah. you know, I mean, I gave her a discount. You know, I, I had no problem with that. I, a lot sure. of times with that high end stuff, 
I'll price it higher just so I could drop it, you know, just so people feel like they're getting a deal because they almost always will ask, you know, but then you always got the knucklehead, you know, you have something priced for 350 He's like, we take a hundred. Like, the fuck out of here. Take yeah, right. Seriously. It's, for people can find the balance between uh, making a nice offer and being disrespectful, you know? Yeah, th- there is, there is a range, you know, there is, there is a, you have to understand who you're talking to. You know, that's that's the key. I, I I understand, like, whatever the price range is, there is a margin. And you can't, you can, first off, you can never go below 50%. That's an outright insult. Sure. But, but depending on what level it's at, like, if you've got an item that's $200, you could ask for 50 bucks off and they might go for it. Yeah, but but you know if you've got something that's fifty bucks and you ask for twenty five off, people are going to look at you like you got a hole in your head. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yep. You got to be an expert negotiator. It's an, I feel like that's an important skill with this. We haven't really talked a whole lot about that, but I mean, I no, I sort expert negotiator. But there's a whole whole conversation there. We messaged a while about uh, having an episode just about buying and selling etiquette, and just. The, the rage that's induced when you try and buy something and, and like halfway through a reasonable conversation, someone just disappears. Like if, if somebody comes in and says they're going to pay me full price while somebody's haggling me, I'll say, look, this guy's about to pay me full price. Do you want it? I started talking to you first. Like I'll give them the opportunity and then they'll, you know, go away. But like when you're working with somebody and I know people are working and whatever else, but you're working with somebody on a deal and then they just disappear. Or they they go and go, oh, you know, after you talk to them for two days trying to figure out a price, oh, this other guy's going to give me 10 bucks more. And you're like, come on, man. I'm trying to drive out there. Like, you're trying to get me yeah. get a few extra bucks. Like, ah, oh, just infuriates me. But when you guys have that episode, have me back on. <laughs> seriously, seriously. We know you have the expert level. Oh, dude, I have, I have, like, I am a plethora of information when it comes to that exact subject. Um, I just had a weird experience. So I had a, a little Hitachi random orbit sander. Okay. Nothing special, 35 bucks. And <clears throat> this chick named Bonnie messaged me like two weeks ago. And she's like, is this available? And I'm like, yes, it is. Two hours later, it's available. Hello? And like, so like over like, then I like, I wait two days. Do you still want this? Nothing. Yeah. Then literally two days ago, she messages me. Is this still available? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, it is. I have two of them. And then I'm like, and she's like, oh, I'm going to be coming through Beaver Meadows. Can I stop by? Yes, you can. What time do you want to come? silence <laughs> for three hours three hours silence and i'm like what the hell is going on and then like i'm literally about to go inside to eat dinner and she's like i'm about to come through beaver meadows can i stop by and i'm like how far away are you five minutes okay yeah come, come stop by so yeah. she stops yeah. in and i understand exactly why i had the interaction i had with this woman she's like 30, 32 years old, and she is this like four foot nine hippie chick, okay? Uh-huh. Oh, With yeah. like white white girl, the dreadlocks, 
the, the, oh, whole, the, no. the shawl, everything. And she comes into my shop, dude, and she's just like awestruck. She's like, oh, my God, your shop is so awesome. Everything is so organized. Oh, I love it. And she just starts going and just like staring at everything. Not really saying a lot, just like staring. This is awesome. And then she sees the shed in the backyard and she walks around it and she doesn't say anything while she's walking around it. And then she goes, I think this is the most awesome thing I've ever seen someone build. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, good Lord. I'm like, thank you. It's not done yet, but thank you. I appreciate that. Please continue, um, please continue driving a motor vehicle in your state. Yeah, well, she, dude, I couldn't get her to leave. She was there for an hour and 20 minutes. I kept, I, I'm like, I'm like, I got to go eat dinner. And she's like, okay, um, I, I, my house burned and now I need more tools. And I'm like, oh, jeez. I'm like, what, what else do you need besides the sander? Well, I'm building my workshop and I've got a storage container full of tools, but I really need a vice. I'm like, I, I've got I've got vices, you know. <laughs> I, I need to come back with more money. I don't have a lot with me, but yeah, I, I need a vice. I wish I had come sooner. Uh, now that I know that you've got all this stuff, you know. Good Lord. So <laughs> she's gonna come back and spend That's probably cool. five hours with me, you know, like the whole day and then just buy one thing, you know. But <laughs> but it made sense why the interaction was like that because she was and she actually has i looked up her facebook profile she literally has a store called hippie girl store and she sells like jewelry that she makes like like little twisted wire jewelry and beads and all this like uh, hippie stuff yeah and i'm just like okay you're, oh, you're validated you're, you're a hippie I, I I absolve you of all your texting woes. You know sure, you're sure. you're the only person that actually deserves to have this lackadaisical attitude because your entire life is lackadaisical. Yes. Everybody else is just a bunch of listless slackers. You know. <laughs> yeah. Within within the first three texts, I usually am talking about my work schedule. I'm like, I can talk to you right now. If you don't get back to me, I will let you know tomorrow because. Yeah. You know, between the hours of 11 p.m. and probably 5 p.m. the next day, yeah. I should be on my phone. So Ugh. this isn't happening now. I'm going to forget about you or this discussion. Yeah. I, I love it when you list something, though, and you got people fighting over it. That's my favorite thing, you know, because then if you've always got like I've got seven people interested in something and then they're like, you know, I listed for 50 bucks. First guy's like, I'll give you 40. I'm like, dude, I got six other guys behind you willing to pay full price you, you want to pay the 50 or should i go to one of them you know i mean i like i i i just don't care my whole attitude is i don't care i don't care if none of them buy it because what i'm selling is old okay it's it's gonna be old next year too yeah it'll sell yeah it, it does not matter to me and none of nothing i'm selling is new i mean once in a blue moon i get something that's new but yeah I tell people, like, when they come to get it and they try to haggle with me, I'm like, look, don't take it. I will I will sell it to somebody else. This is not new. It's very cool and reliable. This will, this will outlive you. This tool is awesome. But if you don't want it, do not take it. And then as soon as I say don't take it, that just makes them want it more. They're like, oh, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> do, you have, do, you have, do, you have, do you have two? Can I take a second one? <laughs> oh, man, I like your style, dude. That's funny. 
you gotta you gotta tell them like it is, man. You know, and people try and try and you know rip you off. You know what you got. You got to know what you have. That's the. Uh, it's great when you when you run into people that don't know what they have that are selling stuff. It's like saw for sale, and it's like a perfect distant handsaw with like a perfect etch on. It. It's like you know twenty five bucks. You're like, oh yeah, what's what's up with that saw? Is is that a saw? Is that is that thing called a saw? Oh yeah, I'll, I'll have a fifteen bucks. Okay, yeah, and it's like done. No clue. They just gave away a hundred and fifty dollars saw. Oh, that's that's when you go up to them and you pick it up and you're like. Oh, this handle is really nice. I could use this on um, one of my other saws. You know, do you think I could? Could I buy just the handle? No, no, you got to take the whole. I, I get. How about two dollars? Could I two dollars do it? I just need the handle. You know, yeah. That, that yeah, I I've done that before where it's just yeah. like I'll, I only I dude I did that like two weeks ago. It was a guy that had four sanders and he had a uh, blind hole bearing puller kit. Okay. I've been looking for one of those bearing puller kits for over a year and a half because I'm rebuilding a, an old, like, 1950s skill worm drive saw, okay? okay. Oh, yeah. And, and I need to take one of the bearings out, and that's a tool you need. Well, this guy puts up this stuff with a bunch of other tools, and I'm like, I'm interested in the bearing puller and the sanders. What's the price? And the guy is like, make me an offer. And I'm like, oh, shit, he's giving me nothing. So I'm like, look, dude, uh, I don't want to insult you, but 40 bucks. And he goes, I could do 30 for the sanders for four, four sanders, four like finishing sanders. One was brand new. Yeah. And he goes, but I got to do 35 on the bearing puller. And I told him, I said, look, man, the bearing puller is the thing that I need the least. The best I could do is 50. And he goes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I went and I got it. I got paid ten dollars a tool. I looked up that bearing puller kit. It turned out to be a, a, a Pittsburgh Tools, so it's a Harbor Fruget special. But I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. But those things are pretty solid. You know, it's all steel. There's no real complicated parts. Sure, they get they, those. They sell that exact same tool in a different box now for seventy three dollars today. Yeah. You know, so I was like, I'm, I'm good. You know. I, I try throwing out the wrong terminology with people sometimes just to see if they're paying attention or if they just think that I'm stupid and they'll give me a good deal. Like I was at this uh, one shop and there was just like probably six inch uh, vice had six inch jaws. I think I want to say it was a Colombian, but um, I was like, Oh wow. Like that's the coolest anvil I've ever seen. That would make, <laughs> that would make a great doorstop in my apartment. How much do you want for it? Like what's it, what's it worth? It must be, what, how can I pay you by the pound? And the guy's just like, he didn't buy it at all. I mean, he, he I, don't, I think he thought I was stupid, but he didn't like feel bad for me and try and give me a good deal for my my apartment doorstop with his with his anvil. <laughs> like, you wouldn't believe how much those are worth. I was like, really? It looks it looks like a big paperweight. It can't be worth anything. <laughs> no, not buying it at all. He's like, you'd be surprised. It's worth five hundred dollars. I was like, oh my god. Really? <laughs> He was trying to sell you a Colombian for five hundred dollars. I don't remember what it was. I, it was um, it was a huge vice. It was so big he had it on its own dolly. It might have been bigger than six inches. It might have been an eight inch. I don't remember, but it was huge. And I remember just being like, "Let me see if I can scam this guy and see if he'll give it to me for way less than it's worth, just by being dumb." And it, it totally backfired. But it was it was worth it. It was worth it for the my own Have laugh. you found any vices over four and a half inches jaw size where people aren't asking a stupid amount if it's in a decent shape? 
I figured as soon as you cross that four and a half, that's my line, at least uh-huh. searching forever before I got my athol. Between yeah. four and a half and five inch, people just go, oh, this is a big vice. I'm going to add at least $100 onto this. Dude, I've, I got I, I, I've gotten plenty over five. I got five and six inch for next to nothing. Just you got to find a motivated seller. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got one for 40 bucks. My apprentice, I paid 40 bucks for. That's five. Mm-hmm. But just, you know, guy just didn't, uh, I don't think he knew what it, what he had or he maybe had trouble selling it because it was so big. Like, just didn't think it was worth much. It was in rough shape. I mean, it was all rusty and shit. But like, maybe you know. it's just, maybe it's just New Yorkers then. No, yeah. I huh? mean, it, it also depends. I mean, like right now, I mean, these are not good vices, but I have like two, uh, 2017 Craftsman vices. Both are six inch. They're the same model. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, you know, they're, they're China made, but they're Craftsman. Yeah. Uh, I, I think one I paid 20 bucks for. And I think the other one was 25. Well, maybe, maybe, I, but they're, nice. they are six inch vices. They're, they're nothing special, but you can find them. Now, the problem I find with the older vices, like you're talking about the four inch, a lot of those old vices, four inch was the standard. Yeah. So like trying to find a five or a six, they're just more rare. They're harder yeah. to find. Yeah, that's fair. And like, they're not homeowner grade. That's stuff that was, you're going to find in industry. Nobody's putting right. a five five, six plus set, you know, seven, eight inch vice on their workbench, no. you know, and they're not doing heavy work. No, no. I, I think, um, I'm trying to remember now I have a coach maker's vice that I got from a guy that's, um, it's, it's, I haven't done anything to it. I can't remember if it's a four inch or a five inch, but I, I basically paid, uh, 30 bucks for it. And it's a 73 pound vice. That's awesome. It's a simplex, I think. Okay. Yeah, and then and then I've got a four inch uh, Prentice, a number twenty that's got the swivel jaw. Yeah, it's the one uh, I have too. Nice. Yeah, so I that was same place, like thirty five. You know, so this it's I haven't done anything. I'm I'm contemplating keeping that and replacing the 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 vice that I have as my main vice in the shop. But I really want to get like a Wilton C one or a, yeah, like a C yeah, like a C one would really do me nice. Um, but I just. Haven't been able to find a bargain on one. You know, everybody wants like a mint for them. That's the, I'm not, is the C1, is a, is that one of the bullet ones? It is. It's a bullet, but it's got the pipe jaw built into it. So it's got a raised up okay. um, jaw. I can so pick it, 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 it looks sort of like a dinosaur, less than, yeah. less, less like a bullet. But yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know why that's what I want because I never use the damn pipe jaws. I've never used pipe jaws. I have pipe jaws on the one that I'm using now and I maybe have used them twice in 20 years, but I am an options guy. I have to have the option. Yeah. You you need them and you don't have them. I don't have any pipe jaws right now. And it's pipe jaws forever. were there for, for when everything was lead pipe and copper pipe and everybody was brazing and soldering to kingdom mm-hmm. come how oh, nobody does that it's all pecs yeah mm-hmm. that's true mm-hmm. how happy does it make you guys when you see a listing where someone's like eight inch vice and it's how far the vice opens oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> when I search for eight inch vice or or when they have a, a really good looking vice that looks big and they have nothing for scale yeah <laughs> don't list the jaw size on it and then you you message them and, and they don't respond for like four days and when they finally do it's like oh yeah it opens six inches and you're like 
Do I have to hold your hand through this entire fucking process? <laughs> I, I had a lady that had, um, do you know the uh, the FPU vices that uh, have the dovetailed, um, the dynamic jaws in the back? It's Polish made. Mm, uh, not uh, FPU, F, FTP. FTP, I think that's, OP, I don't know. It's, it, right? it's, it's, uh, it's a it's I don't have it in here. It's in my shop, but it's if you if you unwind it, the dynamic jaws in the back. So it moves away from you. I've oh, seen I think I've seen uh, that style vice before. Right. So um, they come in three inch going up to six inch and I have a three inch. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are cool. So this lady, this just happened a couple days ago. This lady had one and she listed it as a reed. So she didn't know what it was. But she's got it listed for hundred bucks, and then she has it with a Colombian, and she's got a hundred bucks for that one too. But she said she'll take one seventy-five for the two of them. Mm. And I'm not interested in the other one because it's all rusted to hell. And I said, "What size is is the reed?" And she's like, I'll, "I'll get back to you. It's not next to me. I don't know." So then she gets back to me like a day later after I hound her all day, and she's like, "It's a six inch," and I'm like, "Okay, would you take seventy-five for it?" And then nothing, no response, just dead silence. And I'm like, hello? And she sees the comment, but refuses to respond and just she, totally ghosted me. She's go she's Googling, how expensive are read vices? <laughs> yeah, you know what I, I don't know. I found a couple times just to talk just a random thought that popped into my head. I occasionally will search for things like clamp. Just to see the dumb people that list a vice as a clamp, oh, yeah. you know it. You know that they listed like that; they're already dumb. So the opportunity for you to exploit that for major profits. <laughs> how about how about the vice grip people? Vice grip. Oh, oh, right. they, oh yeah, it's a vice, vice grip. grip. Yeah. Got this nice bench vice grip. The bench <laughs> vice grip. Dude, I used to have a business. So I've been in the fire service for well since 2007. Anyway, I used to restore leather fire helmets because the old style fire helmets are actually made out of cowhide that's impregnated with resin and so i would search all the time for these helmets 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 and i finally like i saw one listed one time and it was listed as hell helmet h-e-l-m-e-n-t and it was listed for like a hundred bucks and these are like six hundred dollar items right wow well i was like oh my god well of course i bought that like straight out and then i started searching for that and i started searching for like just different spelling errors of helmet and I would always find incredible deals because people that were writing that in their listing were just, they were dumb. And like, mm-hmm. <laughs> for what it was worth, it was great. Like, it's, there's something there. We should put oh, that yeah. in the series. <laughs> that, that would be one of my stories posts. You know, I usually do those at the beginning of the day. I find like the dumbest things and I'll put them up there. You know, it's a, I, I can't remember any of them right off the top of my head, but a lot of them are misspellings. Um, oh, oh, there was a, there was a guy that had, like a, an edger, but it was like one of those edgers that was on wheels that you just kind of pushed around like wheelbarrow. Yeah. And it said, um, good ard tool. The Y was missing. Uh-huh. Or no, oh no, it wasn't that the Y. They hit a U. So it said U-A-R-D. And it Your. just said, good erd tool. <laughs> and and, and I, I put up a listing and I said, oh, this looks perfect. My erds could use a new tool. <laughs> <laughs> seriously man it's just like proofread your shit before you post it i mean come yeah. on you know it ain't that hard <laughs>